Word now. We ask that You would uh, move in our hearts and our minds to know You and to know your, Your power at work in us, that we'd hear Your truth today, that we, our hearts would be affirmed uh, today by Your mercy and Your grace. Pray that we'd be confronted with, um, with the challenge today, God, and it would come with, come with the grace that we need to, to, to live out Your truth. Father, uh, whatever we're bringing into uh, the service today, um, whatever things are on our mind from the week that's been, whatever's on our mind for the week that's, that's ahead of us, pray that we'd be able to leave them at your feet now and uh, we'd be able to give them to you and trust that you'll be at work in those things, God. Thank you for the power of your word and the way that you can bring transformation into our life through it. And pray that it be true for each one in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, team, for leading us in those songs. Thank you. Um, today we're going to actually be finishing up, finally, our journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we, we started right at the start of this year. I said, I feel God's leading us to look at this book and it's been an, it's, it is an obscure book. It's not one that we usually uh, like to open if you, if you could take your pick. But um, I've really enjoyed uh, being able to journey through it myself. And um, I've learned a lot. And I, and I hope that we've been able to, each one of us have been able to get something out of it. We're going to open up to chapter 12 today. And um, we're going to zero in on the first seven verses there. Right, just when you thought the wise teacher might, um, you know, try and finish off his book on a high note, <laughs> you know, you read this this last chapter and you think, ah, oh, it's just as much, you know, despairing and dark as the as the poem we we read in the first chapter, yeah. <laughs> and you sort of think, oh, okay, he's actually he's not going to try and finish on a high note. This is just as rough as where we started, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> It's kind of no surprises there. But as I've said since starting this journey in Ecclesiastes is that every part of Scripture, right, is God-breathed. Yeah, and so His Word's living and active. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us through every part of it. And so I hope that this journey that we've been on over the, the last six months may have even encouraged you to, to look at other parts of Scripture that you don't normally open that maybe God is uh, showing you, actually he is speaking to me through, uh, through every part of his word. And so um, my hope is that as we've sought to apply God's word for what it is in every part of it, that we've been able to, um, to, to uh, put our Jesus goggles on is the phrase I keep saying. Especially when we open the Old Testament, we put on our Jesus goggles to read it, right? Because it's, it's an old covenant context um, they're, they're speaking to people that are not us in our day and age. And so that, that idea is something that I really want us to grasp, you know, because it helps us when we do our Bible reading at home. It helps us when we uh, open up the Old Testament. And it actually encourages us to not just jump to our favourite letter of Paul or, you know, one of the New Testament uh, books or the Gospels and things like that, right? Because there's so much rich stuff in the Old Testament that we can and should apply to our lives 
if we can just learn to get those Jesus goggles on, you know, apply a new covenant reading of it. And that's, um, that's been part of what I've hoped we've learned, right? And so um, I want to encourage you that in every scripture, there's a road to Christ, right? I think Charles Spurgeon said that. And uh, I think, man, that's such a cool, cool little, uh, cool little uh, like picture that in every part of the Bible that we open, there's, there's a way in which this is going to lead us and point us to Jesus, right? And he's the one we serve. He's the one we're following. He's the one we want to, uh, we want to study and, and, and know um, more than anyone else. And so this is what we're going to do again today. We're going to open up. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes 12, the first seven verses there. Actually, we'll read verse 8 as well, and um, that'll be familiar to you. So this is what it says. Remember your Creator... In the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, And those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred, Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And that's the point where you go, <laughs> you know, gee, that was another heavy poem. There's a couple of things that immediately stand out to us when we read through that, right? The first being the call for us to remember our creator. Remember him is what he says, that repetition there. He seems to be pointing us, um, sorry, the wise teacher seems to be pointing this particularly to people who are still young. Right, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about being young and old today, and some of what that might mean for us and the way we view life. At face value, we might read this passage and see it as like a word of warning that the wise teacher is encouraging young people to take a hold of. Right, to, to you know, remember remember God early in life. You know, get your priorities straight straight. You know, while you're young, rather than waiting until you're old and you and you're worn out and and you know a bit more broken. You know. <laughs> That seems to be, you know, maybe a face value reading. We might say, yeah, that's fair enough. Some of our older folks might nod their heads and go, yes, I wish young people could know the value of time more than they they appear to know. I wish they could have a little more humility in their understanding of life. But rather than shaking our heads and throwing up our hands in frustration, I think the wise teacher is setting an example for those in our ranks who are older you know, maybe, maybe a bit wiser, that this passage is not just, you know, like a shaking of the finger 
at young people as if to say, listen up, you, you young whippersnapper, remember God. It's not that type of attitude here. Instead, I imagine him to be sharing out of a deep love for young people, you know. Maybe with a couple of tears in his eyes, an air of humility about the words that he's saying, he's holding out an invitation and an encouragement to the young. Saying, guys, when, while you're young, remember who your creator is. You know, much of the language used in this uh, passage is um, like metaphoric. There's lots of symbols and imagery there. And the, the idea of things that, um, that were once beautiful, like the silver cord being severed, things that were useful, like the golden bowl being broken, now being worn out, people who are powerful and strong and now trembling and weak, where once there seemed to be this like vigour and energy to go about the day and seize the day, now it's probably better we stay inside. And we're not really sure what danger lurks out in the streets. This is the sort of imagery that we're seeing. When there once seemed to be an air of hope, a spring in our step, now we're treading far more cautiously. You know, that image of the grasshopper sort of dragging itself along where normally they're, I think of grasshoppers like energy, you know, bursts and jumping around and flying around the garden and you know, just dragging itself along. It's like this really, really sort of um, uh, deep imagery there. And I think the wise teacher is trying to close off his book with a reflection on what time does. He seems to be saying to these young people that life is like an hourglass. Actually, I said to Jade, oh, it'd be great to have an hourglass. And she got this out of the Pictionary box for me. So I'm going to sit that there. Look at that. And you can look at that. I'm not going to keep flipping it over, but I'll just do it once. Because we're going to talk about the hourglass. And um, such a cool idea. When, when, when time was once on his side, you know, you think of the, the wise teacher. When time was once on his side... And there was more sand in the top of his hourglass than at the bottom. Now it seems like the hourglass has only a few grains of sand left in the top for him. And as much as he'd love to flip the hourglass over again, give himself more time, it seems as though the wise teacher of Ecclesiastes is trying to tell his students that on this side of eternity, the hourglass is never flipped back over. We simply have one go at this life. He seems to be bringing that image to them. And with that in mind, he says to his young students, remember your creator. And one of the beautiful things about being young is that the hourglass seems like it'll never uh, run out. (laughs) You know, it'll just keep on going on forever. The bottom half never looks full to young people. You know, and, and we feel like even if it did start to get heavier than the top end, we, we've got enough time on our hands. We'll figure out a way to flip it back over. I know no one else has, but we'll figure it out. You know, that seems to be the attitude of young people, right? I know that was my attitude, maybe still is a little bit. But as we grow older, and some of us, you know, lose some hair on our heads, <laughs> or uh, the aches and pains of life become more frequent. As we grow older, we begin to see that we must have been kidding ourselves to think that we might figure out a way to flip the hourglass over again. As we grow older, we realise we don't get to control how quickly our sand falls through the, the hole in the middle of the hourglass. 
as we grow older, we start to see some hourglasses completely run out of time, right? And if you see this enough times in your life, you move to a place of wisdom. And I think the wise teacher is inviting these young people. He's saying, guys, remember your creator while you're young. The wise teacher is encouraging us to remember the one who gave us our hourglass in the first place. Right? He put every grain of sand in it. And if you could imagine, he was able to just block that little hole in the middle just until the right time where he said, okay, now it's time for your life to begin. And he just pulls out that little block there in the middle and the grains of sand start falling through. He allows the sand in the top half to start flowing into the bottom half. You know, at the beginning of life, and just as he's fully aware of our beginning, he's fully aware of our end. And there's an invitation from the wise teacher to start considering our own hourglass today. The time that we have in our life, how precious it is. And I feel like um, the longer you live, the more sand that goes into the bottom of your glass, the more you understand that. And I want to just, um, I feel really like we should just honour those who have more sand in the bottom of the hourglass today. You know, just to say, man, how, how special that we get to sit here amongst you. I know I'm looking around, those of you who put yourself in the category of not so young, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you that we can do life with you and learn from you. And so um, what, that, that seems to be the wisdom that we're being invited to take on board today. An acknowledgement that life is really like an hourglass. And you don't really know how long your hourglass has in it. But as you grow older, you see that it's not going to last forever. And so what do we do to connect this to our relationship with Jesus and with one another? What does it mean for us? You know, how do we start connecting this? As I said, putting our Jesus goggles on, connecting this to the New Testament, New Covenant worldview. And, um, you know, the idea that God is in control of time is still present in the New Covenant, right? It's still there, this wisdom. And and in James chapter 4, it talks a little bit about this. In verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So things are spelt out a little more clearly than the wise teacher kind of did. In fact, all of Ecclesiastes, just the wise teacher has a way of saying something without saying it and leaves like enough ambiguity for us to be like, well, that was meaningful, but I'm still got questions. Whereas you get to James and he's just like, here it is, black and white, (laughs) right? We don't really have a clue what tomorrow holds, do we? 
So rather than placing our hope and our plans in the future, I feel like God's saying, don't lose focus. Part of this idea of, of taking hold of time and, and applying this wisdom is actually um, being stirred to take hold of the opportunities God gives us, you know, to do good. And I think of, um, is it Ephesians 2.10 talks about how we're created. Um, what does it say? Does anyone know that verse? I'm thinking of that. Um, created to do good works. Um, Where's masterpiece? Uh, I can't, it's not coming to me, sorry. You know the one. That'll be homework to look up that verse. But taking up, <clears throat> recognizing that <clears throat> our life is an opportunity to take a hold of the good things God's prepared in advance for us to do. That's the words of that verse. This is what, uh, this is what it means to, to take hold of time and to be stirred by that wisdom. If God's providing you opportunities to do good things, then we ought to enter into them fully and not be worried about, oh, gee, is it the right thing to do or not? Not be worried about, you can't, you can't worry about misusing your days um, if, if you're doing good things that you know God's inviting you to do and calling you to do. In Ephesians five fifteen to 17, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then one, one more passage I want to read here. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 to 31. And I want to read it in the message. It says, I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There is no time to waste. So don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple in marriage, grief, joy, whatever. Even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on. Deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. This world as you see it is fading away. And so a big part of um, you know, the, the wisdom of this Passages, not just individual lives that eventually wear out and break and, and, and reach their end, but all of creation is moving to that, that time when Jesus returns. Yeah, And so the day and hour is unknown. We don't know when that's going to happen, just as we don't know how much time we have left in our life. And so with that, with that awareness and with that, that wisdom, you know, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't um, be freaked out by that, but we should go, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing that I know God's asking me to do today. And so if you've felt lately that there's been things in your life you know you should be doing, maybe God's been niggling you, prompting you for a while to do something, to serve in some way, to give to something, I want to encourage you, now, now's the time. There's no better time than now to do it. You know, it's not going to be a waste. It's not going to be the wrong choice. If you feel God prompting you to do it, you should do it. If you know the good things that we ought to do and don't do them, then we're entering into disobedience. And for us, these could all be different things, right? Placing Jesus first on the priority list. That idea of remembering our creator. Actually, he is number one. I should, I should reorganize my life accordingly. Reconnecting with a family member or a friend, being prompted to serve or give in a certain way. To draw some more application, going, going to, 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 again, I want to address the young people, those who, 
those who put themselves in that category of young, I believe God's inviting us to take some time to think about our hourglass today. Right? How are we spending our time? What are we devoting ourselves to? And if you, if you want to get really like, um, if you want to really confront yourself with something, there's a really great app on your phone called um, Screen Time and it gives you the details of, what, of all the things you've been spending time on. And I did that recently and it's, it's very sad how much time we can waste on our phones, you know. What are we devoting ourselves to? Are we remembering the one who created us? And that idea that he created us means that um, you don't create something for nothing. <laughs> you know, there's always purpose in creation. And so for our young people and, and for all of us, there's, there, there was purpose when God knit you together. And when he started to allow the sand to fall in your hourglass, there was purpose to that. And for those of us who place ourselves in the not-so-young category, and you know who you are, I probably don't need to tell you to reflect on your hourglass today. Right? In fact, you've probably done more thinking about the limits of life than I have ever done. And uh, I do want to tell you that you've got a very important job that the church needs. Right? The amount of times God calls an old person who's well on in their years to do things is, is, um, is a lot in Scripture and in life. And I want to encourage you that there's a job I need you to do as, a, as, as your pastor and there's a job that every person in this church needs you to do, right? And if you need an invitation, this is the invitation to do it. God is calling you to take the role that the wise teacher of Ecclesiastes took for our church, for your families, for your community, for your workplace, to take all of what you've learned in your life, all of your wisdom, all, of, all that you've experienced as you've seen your hourglass fill up at the bottom, to come alongside the younger ones here in our church, encourage them where you see the light of Christ shining in their life. Rather than being tempted to wave our fingers or get concerned over um, you know, issues that you see, Rather than think about how easy young ones have it these days, even I think that actually, especially as I lead to high school camp. Oh man, the amount of things I, yeah, uh, actually this is probably for me leading up to high school camp, I should take this on board. I feel like God's just saying, let's find ways to affirm and encourage and even listen to the, to the struggles the young ones are, are facing, you know, and show us ways that we can do our journey better. And for the young ones, when those wiser ones do take up enough courage to come alongside of us and to offer an investment into our lives out of their years of watching the, the sand fall through the hourglass, are we able to be humble enough to listen? Could we take a moment to allow their wisdom to just wash over our hearts and minds and go, actually, they probably do know a thing or two. I probably should have, have a listen to this and take it to heart. And so I wonder, how are you going to respond to that message today? You know, 
Maybe there's um, some wisdom that someone who's older than you in your life has been offering you and maybe we've been just shutting it out. Oh, I don't want to listen to them. You know, what would they know? <laughs> I feel like God's saying to us, it's okay to listen to the older folks. Some of us need to have the courage to, to come alongside younger ones and encourage Some of us need to consider our hourglass and how much time we're investing into certain things in our life. All these different ways we can can, uh, respond today. And before we close in prayer, given it's our last last sermon on the book of Ecclesiastes, hopefully for a long time, (laughs) just just personally, (laughs) um, we're going to read from verse, uh, verse 9 in that final chapter. And this is just the concluding remarks. This is the part where um, whoever compiled this book, they're speaking of the wise teacher. It says this, The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful but helpful. And that's a, that's a good message for our young people. Their collected sayings are like nail-studded sticks with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So what's our response going to be? To the wisdom we've heard from the wise teacher over six months and, and in this final poem today. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for... Uh, your word. Thank you for um, just the encouragement it is to us, the way it speaks to us. And Lord, I pray today that we would um, be very aware of the things you're trying to teach us, Uh, whether it be through your word, whether it be through the people you put in our lives. Help us to have ears that are open to listen, no matter our age. Help us to be humble enough to, to bear with one another and to, and to, and to listen to um, yeah, wisdom. Father, pray that you'd bind us together in all things. Um, pray that you would uh, help us to respond the way we need to today. Pray this in your precious name. Amen. <laughs>